Welcome to the Join My League Football Podcast with your host, Tim Coletta. Hey, what's up? Happy Friday. Thanks for tuning in to the Join My League Football Podcast. And I have a confession that's not going to be popular amongst the fantasy football community. I don't like NFL Red Zone. I just don't. I don't like it. What's the point? I mean, I know the point. The point is to watch important snippets of games to see how your fantasy team's players do. But I just don't like it. I like to, A, watch my team play in its entirety, above all else, and B, when my team isn't playing, I pick a game that intrigues me most, and I watch that start to finish. Whether that means watching it at home, on local TV, streaming the game, going to a bar that has NFL Sunday ticket, because you know I don't have the money for that, but entirety is the key word. Start to finish full games. I like to see how these games play out. With Red Zone, I only get to see important plays, drives, etc. And I bring this up because this past Sunday, I was at a football party and it was either watch the local team, the Atlanta Falcons, or watch NFL Red Zone. And I chose to watch NFL Red Zone because I have no personal interest in Atlanta playing the Buccaneers. Not to mention it wasn't important to my fantasy team either. So I watched Red Zone and it's just not for me unpopular opinion. People love it, and I don't get it. You can keep up with your fantasy team with the NFL app, ESPN, anywhere. But people would rather watch scoring plays all day long than watch an actual game to see how it plays out. If someone can explain to me the fascination with this garbage channel, I'd love to hear it. Anyway, we hit a minor milestone this week, because this is episode 10, and... While I'll still make my weekly five picks near the end of the show, the rest of this episode, episode 10, it's going to be 90% fantasy football focused. Like I said, I'm still going to do my picks later on, and there's a couple of other things I'd like to touch on, but this is it. So for all of you degenerate gambling fantasy football junkies out there who just can't get enough, this one's for you. And there's a ton to cover, so I'm going to jump right into it. We have four bye weeks this week, and you're going to need some fill-ins. The Packers, Seahawks, Raiders, and Steelers are all on a bye. So the main fill-in a lot of you are going to have to worry about is a one-week replacement for Aaron Rodgers. This is why drafting two quarterbacks is so important. If you drafted Aaron Rodgers as your starter with Big Ben as your backup, well, they're both on a bye. So obviously, you're a rookie at this. Smarten up. If you drafted Aaron Rodgers as your starter and, say, Deshaun Watson as your backup, then you got to play Watson against the Jaguars' vaunted defense or hit the waiver wire. And yeah, the, the Jags look a little vulnerable right now. They've given up 70 points over the last two weeks, but still, I'm not comfortable playing Watson against Jacksonville at all. So if you need a quarterback to plug in and play for one week, Look no further than Andy Dalton. I think he deserves a bench spot in most leagues, but according to the ESPN Fantasy Football app, Dalton is is available in over 40% of leagues, and the Bengals are traveling to Kansas City to play the worst defense in the league. Dalton does have seven turnovers in six games, and that's kind of unsettling, 
But outside of a four-turnover game against Carolina, he's played pretty well all year. But should you not be able to land Dalton, fear not. Because there are some other options for you. Like I said, Dalton is owned in 60% of leagues, so you might have to scroll down the waiver wire a little bit deeper. And there are two other quarterbacks that I think would be excellent fill-ins for this week. Number one, and try not to laugh, C.J. Beathard is playing at home against the L.A. Rams. Yeah, the Rams probably going to win that game with ease, you would think. But as far as fantasy football goes, he could be a good play this week. 17 points in his last three games. Or I'm sorry, 17 points in three games this year. He's got six touchdown passes. Although the interceptions are a concern, they're playing a Rams defense that's given up 91 points in three weeks. And with a high-octane Rams offense, they should be able, the Rams should be able to get ahead quick, and that's going to force Beathard to pass a lot. I wouldn't be surprised to see C.J. Beathard throwing the football 40 times. He's only owned in 7% of leagues, so chances are he's available in yours. If you need a bye week fill-in at quarterback, you could do a lot worse than C.J. Beathard. And you could do a lot worse than Jamie's Winston as well. Tampa coming off a tough loss in Atlanta last week, but they're back at home this week against the Browns, who for the first time this season in week six, they weren't even competitive. The Browns defense has given up a lot of points over the last three weeks, and I expect that trend to continue. I think the Browns have played their best football already this season, and they're on their way out. I would play Winston with confidence this week, given the weapons he has surrounding him. And guess what? He's available in over 40% of leagues, so if you need to get him, go get him. And if you play daily fantasy football on DraftKings or FanDuel, I would put Jamie's in my lineup with ease this week. And if you have Aaron Jones, Ty Montgomery, Devontae Adams, Doug Baldwin, James Conner, Jimmy Graham, all of those guys are on by. So some players to target on the waiver wire. Marlon Mack has to be considered. He's been dealing with injuries all year, but he came back in week six with a 12-carry, 89-yard performance to go along with a single catch for just four yards. But that's good enough for about 10 fantasy points, so I know it doesn't light up the scoreboard, and even though the Colts' running game is towards the bottom of the league in production, Mack is the guy on the Colts, and he's going to get the majority of carries. He's going to get the majority of snaps as well. And honestly, he's your best option on the waiver wire at this point. So that just goes to show the importance of drafting running backs well. As far as wide receivers, there's always names on the waiver wire to be considered. And so many new uh, new names blow up week after week. Guys like Cole Beasley, who's owned in just 8% of leagues. Uh, Taylor Gabriel, who was last week's pickup of the week, he's owned in just 32% of leagues. Chester Rogers from the Colts, owned in just 13%. And he's had double-digit fantasy points every week for three weeks in a uh, straight. All those guys are good ads, and they should be considered for bi-week fill-ins. At tight end, two guys stand out to me. O.J. Howard from Tampa Bay, 32% ownage. And with the exception of a catchless game in Chicago a couple of weeks ago, he's put up top tight end fantasy production so far this season. And once again, the Bucks host the Browns. It's a favorable matchup for them. He's a bona fide starter this week. And speaking of bona fide starters, that leads us to the JF Stacks Waiver Wire Pickup of the Week, presented to you by yours truly, with an assist from the man, the myth, the legend, 
John Foyles, aka JF Stacks, aka Stacks, or simply Foyles. The pickup of the week for week seven. He's owned in 50%, uh, 57% of fantasy football leagues, and he's a must-add. Ladies and gents, your JF Stacks waiver wire pickup of the week is Austin Hooper, tight end for the Atlanta Falcons. With injuries to Calvin Ridley and Mohamed Sanu, Austin Hooper is a must-add and a must-start this week. He has just two touchdowns on the year, but he's caught nine passes each of the last two weeks. Couple that with the fact that the Falcons host the lousy Giants team on Monday night. Austin Hooper is a must-start, and he is your JF Stacks waiver wire pickup of the week. Now, taking a little break from fantasy football, I'd like to dive into a new segment I was going to call What the Hell's the Matter with You, but I decided on a new name. See, I watched Goodfellas last night, and after watching Goodfellas, I feel like if I called it What the Hell's the Matter with You, I'd be ripping off an absolute classic movie, a classic scene, and a classic actor and director. I'm the kind of person I like to give credit where credit's due. And the credit goes straight to two legends who created this segment without realizing it over 25 years ago, Robert De Niro and Martin Scorsese. And I keep referring to it as a segment, but it's really not a segment of the Join My League football podcast. It's an award. Ladies and gentlemen, it is the Jimmy Conway Award. What are you, stupid? What's the matter with you? I apologize. What's the matter with you? And it's only fitting that the Jimmy Conway Award gets shared between two parties. The first, the mentally dumb, classless, scumbag Patriots fan who threw a full cup of beer at Chiefs wideout Tyreek Hill Sunday after Hill scored a touchdown with three minutes left in the game. Well, I hope it was worth it. His name has not been released to the public, but the fan faces a lifetime ban at Gillette Stadium and Hill along with his agent, Drew Rosenhaus, they want the fan to be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. He's been charged with disorderly conduct and throwing an object at a sporting event. But on top of the blatant disrespect to Tyreek Hill, both football teams, the stadium, the owner, and the game itself, this stupid dummy wasted an entire cup of beer at a sporting event. I've never been to Gillette Stadium but I've been to more events and concerts in my life than I can ever hope to remember. And I'm telling you right now, no way that cup of beer costed less than $13. No way. This moron spent $13 minimum to throw a cup at Tyreek Hill, faces criminal charges, and is now banned from ever attending another event at Gillette Stadium. Stupid, classless, scumbag, Patriots fan, I have to ask... The second recipient of the Jimmy Conway Award goes to the Oakland Raiders organization for actually thinking they could pull off a trade to deal Amari Cooper for a first-round draft pick. I love me some Amari Cooper, man. I think, personally, he's one of the most talented wide receivers in the game. But let's look at the facts. Through the first six weeks, his game stats are as follows. One catch for nine yards, 10 catches for a buck 16, two catches for 17, eight for a buck 28, one catch for 10 yards, 
and he put up a goose egg in week six. Now, week six, his performance could be attributed to leaving the game with a concussion, but had he not been hurt, he's not guaranteed to put up anything with the Raiders anymore. This year, he's got 22 catches for 280 yards and a touchdown. Last year, he had 48 catches for 680 and seven touchdowns. In 2016, he finished with 83 for 11.53 and five touchdowns. It's been two years since Cooper has put up numbers worthy of being a first-round pick he was back in 2015. Trading him would be good for the Raiders and Cooper. It would send Amari to another team with hope to resurrect his career. And it would allow the Raiders more ammunition to build for the future since they're obviously not competing for anything other than a high draft pick at this point. But you won't find a team in the league willing to cough up a first rounder for Amari Cooper without additional compensation. It's ignorant. Ignorant of them to even think they could pull something like that off. Maybe they're playing hardball and their demands might go down over the next week and a half before the trade deadline. But seriously, I have to ask. John Gruden... The rest of the Raiders organization. What are you, stupid? What's the matter with you? I apologize. What's the matter with you? A couple more things to get into fantasy football-wise before we end the show with some picks. I'm going to have to do some stardom sit Because everyone's got their stardom sit list, and so do I. As far as quarterbacks go, Joe Flacco has yet to throw an interception at home this season, and he's averaging 44 pass attempts per game. On the flip side, the Saints have given up 25 points per game to opposing quarterbacks. As we know, Flacco is never a must-start, but if you need a plug-and-play, feel safe going with Joe Flacco. As far as quarterback sits, there are much better option than Deshaun Watson. Facing a Jaguars is usually a tough task for opposing offenses, but teams have fa- uh, they fared pretty well against them over the last couple of weeks. Chiefs put up 30 in uh, week 5, and the Cowboys put up 40 last week. Dak Prescott, a.k.a. Dak Trash Scott, he had an unusual day scoring with three touchdowns, but he only had 183 yards passing, and he was sacked three times. Again, the Chiefs did score 30, and while Patrick Mahomes had a 300-yard day, he threw zero touchdowns and had two interceptions. Sacked once. Now, don't let the outcomes of the recent Jacksonville Jaguars games fool you. If you start Deshaun Watson, you're in for a letdown. You're going to have a bad day. On the running back side of things, you have to feel confident starting Adrian Peterson this week. No, he's no longer the best running back in the league, and he isn't even elite. But even at 33 years old, with a ton of mileage on his tires, that man can still play. And the Cowboys are a bit vulnerable on the ground. And the Redskins, they're going to want to run the ball plenty to control the game and keep it out of Alex Smith's hands. Peterson racked up 97 yards on the Panthers in a game where he was coming off a separated shoulder the week before. Adrian hasn't had more than 20 carries since week one, but the workload should be there this week. And keep in mind, Chris Thompson is questionable, and if he has to miss, that only increases Peterson's value as a running back two this week. As far as sits go, don't even think about playing Titans running back Derrick Henry. Tennessee's opponent this week is the LA Chargers, and the Chargers held... Matt Breda, Kareem Hunt, and Carlos Hyde to a combined 122 yards rushing. I also half expect the Chargers to build a lead early, and that will eliminate Henry's rushing total. As far as his pass-catching ability, he's only been targeted six times all year, so take a seat, Derrick Henry. 
On to the wide receivers, Robert, Robert Woods is looking like an absolute stud this week. And that was before Cooper Cup was diagnosed with an MCL sprain, likely keeping him out this week and possibly several more. Woods is averaging more than 80 yards a game and catches more than 70% of his targets. Playing a 49ers team that gives up an average of 11 yards per catch, this puts Woods in the wide receiver two category for this week. But his numbers may be higher if Brandon Cooks doesn't bounce back from his worst game of the year. Two things stick out at me while coming up with the notion that Demarius Thomas should be a bench warmer this week in all fantasy leagues. Number one, he has a target share of just 11%. And while it seems he may have gotten over the hump with eight catches for 161 yards and two touchdowns over the last two weeks, the fact is he's going to draw a lot of Patrick Peterson against the Cardinals. And that tells me he's in a big fat nope if I have him on my fantasy squad. Kyle Rudolph, he's got to compete with Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen for targets. Rudolph can be trusted to catch most passes thrown his way, and you can rely on him uh, to catch four or five passes a game as as evidence over the last month. But even though the Jets gave up a touchdown to Eric Ebron last week, I think they're rather stingy when it comes to opposing tight ends. On top of that, if last week is any indication, it seems like the Vikings are going to try to rely on their running game a little more rather than putting it all on the arm of Kirk Cousins. I expect the Vikings to try and grind out a victory over the Jets on the ground this week, and that's going to limit Rudolph's fantasy potential. And I don't mean to continuously keep bringing up the Jacksonville Jaguars today, but I can't help but love their matchup for Sunday against the Texans. I already went over this reasoning to sit Deshaun Watson this week, and I'm choosing to start Jacksonville's defense for those exact reasons. They looked vulnerable, yeah, over the last two weeks. You're right, they did. And according to Rex Ryan, they're an extremely overrated bunch. But I expect an angry Jaguars defense to bounce back and take out all their frustrations on this Houston offense who leads the league in sacks allowed. And they're called Saxonville for a reason. They're going to get to the quarterback. And if you don't have an offensive line, or at least a decent offensive line, your quarterback's going to get killed. I would be surprised to see Deshaun Watson finish the game on Sunday, start the Jacksonville Jaguars defense with no questions on Sunday. And it goes without saying, the sit of the week on defense has to be Cincinnati. The Bengals play a Chiefs team coming off their first loss of the season, and even in a loss, they still put up 40 on the Patriots in Foxborough. You have to expect the Chiefs to put up a similar point total this week, except maybe with a different outcome. In fact, you could probably go ahead and sit any defense the Chiefs are playing for the rest of the year until KC hits a wall. I want to thank those of you who emailed me fantasy questions throughout the week. I actually had way more questions received in my inbox than I thought I would, and I really, really appreciate it. Keep sending your questions in. Um, I will read them live. Well, not live because this is recorded and then edited and then sent out, if you can't tell. Um, But first question comes from a guy named uh, Dylan. He wants to know if he should trade Le'Veon Bell for Mark Ingram. I kind of wrestled with this question for a while, and I don't want to be the one to steer you in the wrong direction, but obviously Le'Veon Bell is the better talent, but there's so many questions surrounding him. Will the Steelers trade him before the deadline? If so, where's he going to go? If not, is he going to return to the Steelers at all? He said he would return to during the team's Week 7 bye, but he's yet to show up. And if he does return, 
What happens to James Conner? He's having a rather good year as Bell's replacement, wouldn't you say? With Ingram, you're getting a solid running back, too, for a guy who splits his workload with Alvin Kamara. It's almost like you have to make this trade with hopes that Bell doesn't play at all this season. And I think the likeliness of that happening are slim. I think he'll be back at some point, whether it's with the Steelers or with another organization. If you don't accept this trade and Bell doesn't show up, you lose out completely. If you go along with the trade and he comes back to put up traditional Bell-like numbers, you, in all likeliness, ruined your chance at a fantasy football title this year while increasing your trade partners. One thing I would look at is who are your trade partners' other running backs? I guess what I'm saying is that personally, I wouldn't take that trade. If I trade Bell, I'm going to want more value. Maybe Ingram and wide receiver two for Bell and a bench player. Something like that. But I assume Bell's going to come back at some point. It's just a matter of uh, when. Second question comes from Mark. Mark wants to know if he should trade Odell Beckham. He also said this is the fifth time he's submitted this question to different podcast slash Twitter accounts. And it's split. So basically what you're saying is you're putting all your eggs in the JML basket. Yikes. Pressure's on, I guess. I wouldn't trade Beckham for low. He's too good. He's too valuable. I get it. You're frustrated. The best wide receiver on your team only has one touchdown on the year. You can trade him. You can trade him. But don't settle. Eli Manning has been the problem in New York not Odell, and certainly not his talents. At least give it one more week against a depleted Atlanta secondary, and if you still want to trade him, you probably can, and you won't get lowballed, because he should put up big numbers this week. And lastly, Ashihi Asihai, I'm not sure how to pronounce your name, so I'm really sorry if you're listening, but he doesn't have a question. It was more of a comment slash compliment. He writes, Ha 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 ha. Trash Scott. That's the funniest thing I've ever heard. Go Giants. Well, Ashihi, thank you, and I'm glad you appreciate my humor. That's all I'm doing this week, Q&A related, because I still have to get to weekly picks, but I appreciate uh, the dozen or so emails that I did get. Feel free to send them every week, DM on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or even comment on the YouTube channel. And that brings us to the unfortunate end of episode 10. But there's one more thing to do, and that's make an attempt to improve my pick'em record. I went 4-1 last week, getting victories from the Ravens, the Steelers, the Patriots, and the Packers, who, by the way, are in big trouble. You're going to go into Monday's game at home as 9.5-point favorites. You should enter that game mad as can be after the loss the previous week looking to feast on a team with an unproven running game, an inexperienced quarterback, and a very average to below average defense that isn't built to withstand the heat that Aaron Rodgers brings offensively. And what do you do? You barely win by three points? I'm supposed to be impressed? All these years I've stood by the notion that Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback in the league, followed closely by Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees. While Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time, he's no longer the best in the league. I'm throwing in the towel. It's Aaron Rodgers 100%. Without Tom Brady, the Patriots, they still have the coaching and the talent to be competitive. Maybe make a playoff run. 
without Rodgers, the Packers, the Packers are, t- are picking top five in the draft every year. They don't have any of the things that the Patriots have. They don't have the talent. They don't have the coaching. And they sure as shit don't have the ability to be competitive enough to make a playoff run. We saw it last year. Four and one with Rodgers. Three and eight without him, including the game in which he broke his collarbone. It took a near-perfect game from Aaron Rodgers on Monday, along with a fourth-quarter rally, to beat the 49ers. And a Richard Sherman penalty. This team is done. The only thing a bye week does to help the Packers in Week 7, it allows Aaron Rodgers to be able to remove the knee brace and enter Week 8 completely healthy. And they're going to need it, too, because starting Week 8, their next four games consist of three road games against the Rams, the Patriots, and the Vikings. The Packers are not making the playoffs. Mark my words. We're not even halfway through the the season, and I'll tell you right now, the NFC North is down to the Bears and the Vikings. Now, speaking of the Vikings, they traveled to New York this week to take on the Jets. The Vikings enter this game as winners of two straight, and they seem to have found their groove. The Jets are coming off a 42-34 win over the Indianapolis Colts. Now, the main thing about this game, everything that the Vikings do good, the Jets are bad at. And everything the Jets are good at, so are the Vikings. The Vikings are top 10 in passing. The Jets are bottom 10 in passing defense. The Jets are a top 10 unit in rushing. The Vikings have a stingy top 10 unit in defending the run. Now the Vikings can be had through the air, but the Jets only average 210 yards per game passing. So on paper, this is a given. Chalk up the Vikings W, right? It's an easy win. Wrong. And maybe I can attribute my thoughts to another case of overthinking. But if I'm a Vikings fan, I'm worried because this is exactly the kind of game the Vikings let you down in. It's a classic trap. Last time they had an easy game, a trap game, was when they played Buffalo. They clearly looked past the Bills to their following week's matchup against the Rams. The Vikings cannot afford another letdown because this time, it's another easy win. Another easy game. A trap game. Followed by a Sunday night showdown against the high-scoring Saints next week. It already happened once this year. And because it's the Vikings, I'm willing to bet it happens again. Jets get the win, 28-17. Another noon, 1 o'clock game. I'm looking forward to this game between the Patriots when they visit historic Soldier Field in Chicago to take on the Bears. Entering the season, this game seemed like it would be a thrashing in favor of New England. Now, one of the most intriguing games of the week. New England's coming off a victory in a classic game Sunday night against the Chiefs. The Bears put up disappointing uh, defensive effort in a loss to the Dolphins and Brock Osweiler. But don't sleep on the Bears. Their defense is the real deal. And the offense seems to be clicking with Mitch Trubisky taking his game to the next level over the last couple of games. The problem is, the Bears gave up 101 yards on 15 carries to that dinosaur known as Frank Gore. You have to imagine that Bill Belichick will be studying that to death in hope that rookie running back Sony Michel can have similar success. On the other side of the ball, the Patriots' defense 
hasn't played very well this year, but they have a history of playing well against young quarterbacks, even though they gave up a ton of yards and a ton of points to Patrick Mahomes last week. Trubisky is no Mahomes. This game comes down to whether a hobbled Khalil Mack and the Bears D, if they can get to Brady and hold him in check, if they can do that, the Bears can absolutely get the win. If not, it's going to be a long afternoon in Chicago, and I'm leaning towards the latter. The Patriots have started 2-2 two two, three of the last five years. After that, they've rattled off six, seven, eight wins in a row. It's happening again, and we're seeing it. The spread six at minus three for New England, and I already took one home dog so far this week. I'm not about to push my luck. Patriots win on Sunday, 31-17. At 4 p.m. Eastern, game of the week, in my opinion, the New Orleans Saints come off their bye to travel to Baltimore to take on the Ravens. Ladies and gents, things are finally back to normal in the NFL as the Baltimore Ravens once again boast the league's best defense. First in pass defense, third in rush defense, first in points allowed, and first in total sacks. Thanks to their 11-sack performance against the Tennessee Titans in Week 6. But if there's one thing I do know, it's that Marcus Mariota and the Titans offense are not, I repeat, are not Drew Brees and the Saints. Thanks, Captain Obvious. I really don't think I needed to point that out because I think everyone realizes that Marcus Mariota is no Drew Brees, probably never will be. So to bet on another 11-sack performance by the Ravens or anything remotely close to that is setting yourself up for a huge letdown. The Saints, on the other hand, are one of the league's most underrated teams, and offensively, they've protected Drew Brees very well so far. Everyone wants to talk about the Rams and the Chiefs, but what about the Saints? After dropping their first game to Tampa Bay, the Saints have rattled off four impressive wins in a row. They sit atop the NFC South at 4-1, and one, and they're one of the hottest teams in the NFL that no one's talking about. Top-ranked offense versus top-ranked defense, anything can happen. But this all comes down to Joe Flacco and the Ravens offense and how well they do against a Saints defense that ranks first against the rush and 28th against the Packs. 26th in points allowed. This Ravens offense is averaging 25 points a game thanks in large part to Joe Flacco, but they rank 19th in rushing. 3.4 yards per carry, and that's what jumps out at me. What's the best way to prevent top offenses in the league from scoring points? Keep them off the field. What's the best way to do that? Running the football with success. 3.4 yards per carry against the top-rated rush defense in the league is a problem, and that's what's going to be the difference in this game. The Ravens are a very, very good football team. They're playoff-bound, if you ask me, but the Saints are in another league right now, and coming off of their bye, I'm going to bet that they don't show any signs of slowing down, at least this week. Next week, maybe a different story. Great game this week, but the Saints... They're going to prevail on the road, so take them and the free points they're getting 34-30. A two high-powered offenses take the field on Sunday night as the Cincinnati Bengals travel to Kansas City to take on the 5-1 Chiefs. The Bengals can't seem to catch a break when they play the Steelers. Again, they lost to them. Another heartbreaker. Their old nemesis, Steelers, 28-21. 
The Chiefs, on the other hand, are coming off their first loss of the season. Hard-fought game against the Patriots last week. This is the second Sunday night game in a row for the Chiefs. And the one question going into this game is how will Patrick Mahomes bounce back after suffering his first career defeat? This one were in Cincinnati, I'd probably take the Bengals. But because it's an arrowhead, I'm going to go ahead with the Chiefs. But here's the thing. The Bengals are plus six underdogs. And while I think Mahomes will have a bounce back game because the Bengals do have a hard time stopping the pass, the defense for the Chiefs cannot stop a nosebleed. So this is another game that has shootout written all over it. And we're seeing the decline of the Bengals team that I predicted we'd see eventually. And while they should be able to keep the game close, I expect the Chiefs to pull away late. Also, the total points currently listed at 58 and a half. Go with the over. In fact, go with the over the rest of the year when it comes to games in which Kansas City is playing. The Chiefs are going to improve to 6-1. The Bengals will drop to 4-3. Final score, 41-31 red team. Now last Monday night, I called the game between the 49ers and Packers a stinker. Well, it was anything but because the 49ers came to play and the Packers, outside of Aaron Rodgers, did not. Now luckily for me, the Packers came away with the victory, giving me a 4-1 record on the week improving my important picks to 14 and 16, and on the year total, I'm 51, 40, and 2. Well, this week we're looking at another stinker on Monday night, and hopefully I'll be wrong again. The Giants visit the Falcons in a game that no one outside of New York or Atlanta cares about. The Giants are embarrassingly bad, and the Falcons are doing, they're doing what they can to save their season. The Falcons on paper have the advantage everywhere on the field, except the running game. The Falcons rank 24th in rush defense, and we all know how good Saquon Barkley has been so far this year. Top rookie of the year candidate, in my opinion. And he's doing all that with Eli Manning looking like an old man, and Odell Beckham causing a scene everywhere but on the field. This is an easy game to pick. I'm going with the Falcons. They're five and a half point home favorites. And I'm not sure that's enough. If this team wants to make a run at the playoffs, and maybe the number one seed, which I laughably predicted at the beginning of the year, it's going to have to start this week. And I'm not talking about a victory by a touchdown over the lowly Giants. If the Falcons want to be taken seriously, they're going to have to lay a whooping on Big Blue. And that's what I think they're going to do. Falcons 34, Giants 10. And that's it, folks. I want to thank you very, very much for tuning in to the Join My League Football Podcast. I hope you learned something today, and I hope I've been able to help you out with your fantasy football team. Maybe you're in a pick also, and hopefully I helped make those choices a little easier for you this week. I wasn't even sure I was going to get to 10 episodes with this podcast, but here we are. Here's to 10s and 10s and 10s and 10s more. Remember, I hope your team wins this week unless they're playing mine. Here's to killing it in your fantasy league and have a fantastic weekend.